It's time for the Fantasy Falcon Football Podcast. Woo! Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to the Fantasy Falcon Football Podcast. I'm Kyle Faulkner, joined as always by my co-host Jeff Faulkner. Jeff, how you doing, buddy? Oh, man, you know what? Uh, I'm all right, but... You know, I'm just the Jays just finished a game against the Yankees. I've been watching them blow leads for a week now, and tonight we finally have a chance to kind of turn the table. And we get down by a run in the ninth. We get runners second and third with nobody out, and they can't score even the tying run. So I'm a little fired up, but uh, you know, football's with lots to talk about. We got a fun episode here, so I'm feeling pretty good. How are you doing, man? Well, I'm okay. I'm I'm uh, feeling a little slow. I had my second dose of the vaccine today and I'm not, you know, it's so hard to say because so many people say, oh, I got my second dose. It was so rough on me. I was so tired. I was so whatever. So as soon as you start to feel something that's maybe not quite normal, it's just in your head, right? Oh my God, the, the side effects are getting me. The vaccine's getting me. This must be it. This must be whatever he's talking about. I have no idea. Maybe I'm just maybe I'm just tired because it's Wednesday night. But uh, yeah, I'm doing okay. You know what? And uh, I I hear you on the Blue Jays. Maybe they maybe they used up a little too much offense in uh, in Boston. But hopefully they get things back on track pretty quick here, buddy. Agreed, man. So it's been a fun week in the NFL. You know, before we get down to business in the episode here, you know, we want to make sure anybody that's new to the show, first of all, welcome and thanks for listening. And if you're returning, we also, you know, thank you for listening. But make sure you could you could help us out a lot and uh, by doing a few things. You can subscribe, you can rate, review, share us with your loved ones. Uh, Father's Day is coming up not too long from now. It's this Sunday, actually. And uh you know, we're looking forward to it in this household and, you know, you can share the gift of Falcon Maniacs and the Fantasy Falcon Football Podcast. Let uh, your, your pops know, uh, you know, he's got a chance to get better in fantasy football if he listens to us and we have some fun, fun along the way. And you can also follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Falcon Maniacs. Um, Kyle, we're 47 episodes into this bad boy, man. It's hard to believe, isn't it? But uh, it's been a lot of fun so far. And let's do our jersey swap. Our jersey swap. So episode 47. There's some good names on here, man. I, I didn't realize how many names wore this number, but we got Jack Morris, MLB pitcher, pitched for the Blue Jays, won a World Series with us. We're in a World Series with the Twins. We got Mel Blount, who is an all-timer at cornerback for the Steelers. Tom Glavin, another all-time pitcher for Major Leagues. Uh, Johnny Cueto, Major League pitcher. I got a fun little story. I was at a game when the Jays eliminated the Royals in 2015, and the, all 58,000 of us in the Rogers Center were chanting his name the entire time he was pitching and he got bouncing like the third inning. It was one of the most fun atmospheres I've ever been a part of. Um, we got Jerry Lucas of the NBA. We got Andre Kirilenko, AK 47 from the NBA, John Lynch from the NFL. And another one that I saved for last. And this is the one I think I'm going to go with. Who's uh, is kind of obscure. Yeah. It's Rod Beck. And I'm going to kind of tell you a story about this one as well. So uh, back in 2006, the first ever world baseball classic, uh, me, Marty, Whammer, and a guy named Pete went down to Arizona to watch Team Canada in the pool against the U.S. And we were in the hotel before the game, and Rod Beck is just talking trash because the U.S. is stacked, right? It's like the Olympics. It's They're like mm-hmm. a dream team. And Team Canada had you know three major leaguers and a bunch of guys that nobody had ever heard of. So before the game, Rod Beck is talking trash about how they can't hang with us and we should run right through them. And... We're, we ended up winning the game. It was one of the craziest atmospheres ever. I remember, we're, you know, three rows from or three seats away from Tommy Lasorda, and he's losing his mind. People behind us are calling their family. We're about to lose a baseball game to Canada. This is the biggest upset in the history of sports. <laughs> and we're sitting there in their Team Canada shirts. It was just an amazing feeling. 
So anyways, short story long, um, we go to another game with our Team Canada gear on. We go from that stadium to a smaller stadium to see um, Team... It was two of the other teams in the pool, Mexico, and I can't remember the other one now, which is a shame. But anyway, we're walking in with our Team Canada gear, and somebody from a TV crew thinks we're players from Team Canada. (laughs) That's how little people know about Team Canada. So he comes over and asks us to do an interview, and I go along with it. So I pretend to be a Team Canada, like a bullpen pitcher, and I called out Rod Beck. I'm like, yeah, I guess that's why we play the games, isn't it, Rod? And I talk like for three minutes, and I think... After you know three answers, he realized these guys are not professional athletes <laughs> whatsoever. But uh, just for that story alone, I think I would get a Rod Beck jersey. How about you? Well, that's those are those are pretty good stories, man. I didn't realize you were so connected to the number forty-seven. I love it. I um, I'd I'd probably have to go with Mel Blount. Um, you know, classic uh, classic throwback steel curtain. Nothing could beat it. I don't think. Although an Andre an Andre Kirilenko uh, with the Russian text on the back would be pretty nifty too, I guess. Yeah. All right, buddy. Well, uh, yeah, like you said, we've had a busy busy week in the NFL. We got lots to get to. We've got volume two of our quarterback rankings. We've got uh, got some correspondence with a very impassioned fan. But uh, before we can get to all that, we need to hit the opening kickoff. Opening kickoff. So, like we started last week, we are continuing our Fantasy 101 series here on the Fantasy Falcon Football Podcast. Um, so, if you missed last week's show, we what we talked about were some of the differences in league types that you might encounter when you're uh, either beginning your fantasy football career or when you're expanding. Maybe you've been in the same type of league for a little while and you want to try something else or you want to join another league and you're not quite sure what it's all about. So, uh, before we get going today, if you did miss um, last week's Fantasy 101 and last week's episode with Volume 1 of our quarterback rankings, make sure you uh, go and download and listen to episode 46. You don't want to miss it. But uh, I'm excited about this week because we're going to go a step farther. Uh, we're going to go beyond the basics and we're going to talk about a few of the uh, specialty league types. And I think for a lot of our listeners, even the more experienced fantasy players, um, there's going to be some things that maybe they're very familiar with, maybe they're a little bit familiar with, and a couple that they might not have even heard of that are uh, pretty cool. So this is a great topic, whether you're brand new to fantasy or, you know, it's it's been a couple of years, you're just looking to uh, spice things up. You know, you want to you wanna push the comfort zone of your dull, predictable, boring old league. I like it. Well, we'll start off with some dull, predictable, boring old leagues and start with uh, one format that is pretty common. It's a two-quarterback league, and it's exactly what it sounds like. Uh, Every team starts two quarterbacks every single week. Uh, This puts a premium on what is arguably the most important position in all football and maybe in all of sports. Um, So instead of waiting on quarterbacks, you see teams rush to get the top-level guys really early in drafts, and you see backups go a lot earlier than you expect them to go as well. So... um, you know, we were in the LOEG when we, we have 14 teams in this league, and we were two-quarterback league for a long time, and it puts a strain on, you know, getting that second quarterback. And, you know, when you have 14 teams, it can be pretty tough to have two viable starters every single week. So that's why we made the, the switch to Superflex. But uh, if you have less teams, two-quarterback leagues can be a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it uh, like you said, it really it puts a premium on – like the most important position, right? Whereas in a regular one quarterback league, you're kind of in a spot where, you know, we've talked about it lots. You can wait and wait and wait and still get a pretty serviceable option there. 
Um, but yeah, in a two quarterback league, like it's not uncommon for, uh, you know, a Patrick Mahomes to go number one or number two overall. Absolutely. Because they're so valuable. Um, so you mentioned the next type of league we're going to talk about. It's the one that the LOEG actually, uh, transitioned to a few years ago and that's super flex. So when you're talking about a super flex, pretty much what it is, is a two quarterback league still, except that second spot you could have some flexibility to start a different position. So essentially that second spot, the super flex spot is a quarterback slash running back slash wide receiver slash tight end. It's basically any offensive player uh, can be put into that spot. So the real benefit of this, um, because most people are starting two quarterbacks, just the, you know, the scoring potential is so much greater with quarterbacks than other positions. But the real uh, beauty of this is that it prevents any games in your season being lost if there's a last-second injury or if there's a bye week that you can't find that replacement quarterback on your waiver wire. Um, and that was a problem, like you mentioned, the LOG is a 14-team league. That was a problem that uh, people were running into quite often, I think, where you know, even if you had a backup plan, if something happens and all of a sudden it's your bye week, you're you're basically out of luck because you're starting at a 20 point disadvantage. So this way you can at least fill that spot. You can feel the full lineup. It makes your league more competitive. Um, if you're looking between the two, if you're starting up a new league or if you're thinking of making a change and look at the size of your league, if you think that there's any chance ever that you would not be able to find a replacement quarterback on the waiver wire, then you might as well go with a super flex league, unless your bench is super, super deep so that everybody can, you know, pick up and carry and hold the backups to all their quarterbacks. That way, I guess you could ensure you've got somebody, but uh, you know, to make your league, to make your league great, you need to be able to set a full lineup. We say it every week, set your Falcon lineup and we don't want it to be set your lineup minus one. No, and it's been such a great change and kept teams competitive all year long. I love Superflex, and uh, it's my, my favorite of all the, the, the choices for sure. Um, I, I, I'm glad I get to talk about this next one because people have very strong opinions about it either way. And it's uh, called an IDP, which stands for Individual Defensive Player League. And uh, so basically, you, you know, you draft all your offensive players, but on top of just having a kicker and a team D, you also take defensive positions. So um, you take players like, linebackers dbs dl um i know i love it because it, it puts a focus on that side of the ball and a lot of guys don't can even consider it as you know casual football fans or just fantasy fans so uh, there's opportunities to get some advantages there but uh you know first thing you want to do when you are join an idp league is you got to find out what the scoring is for that, those positions you know do you get bonuses for sacks or tackles for loss is it um strictly tackles uh, and there's all kinds of different formats that you can take advantage of and, and um, kind of tinker with we we kind of give a premium for sacks you get five points for a sack um, but fumbles are a lot different right they split it in half you get two points for a forced fumble and three points for the fumble recovery so two players can get uh, kind of big bonuses and we've seen idp players win matchups right i know i've seen like you know guy aaron donald has four sacks and three strip sacks and he recovers one in the end zone he's like a 40 point week and he wins you your week so idps can be huge they're hard to predict so you see the, the best players, especially on the D-line, go early. Um, but it can be a lot of fun, and it can, you know, we see guys in drafts reach on these guys. So it just adds a whole other player pool into your drafts every year. I love IDPs. And uh, like I said, a lot of people have strong opinions either way, but uh, I'm, I'm all for them. 
Yeah, you know what? It's it celebrates superstars on the other side of the ball who who typically have been ignored in fantasy football. Um, but there's a lot of strategy to it. Like I was a team that had Aaron Donald on my squad. I didn't reach super high, but I you know I definitely paid up for him. Um, and when he was on, he was like he won me the week. But what I what I noticed more than ever, I guess, this past season is uh, how often he was just neutralized by teams having to double and triple team him with their blocking. Uh, meanwhile, a guy that I picked up on waivers, Roquan Smith, a linebacker with the Bears. Um, you know, he was undrafted in our league and I saw early how much of a ball hawk, uh, he, he kind of was on their defense and picked him up and he ended up, I think, finishing number two or number three overall for defensive players. So it's not always the big names, but those, those guys, you know, the Bosa brothers, um, the TJ Watts, they can, they can really, uh, elevate you, I guess, to the next level. And so I just want one more thing. Sorry. I just love and at the trade deadline, they bring another factor, right? Like competing teams are, we see them trading future draft picks for IDPs. And it's just, it's adds so much more to the league. I think it's than just offensive players. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so those, those first three, those are, um, those are formats, you know, two quarterback, super flex IDP that are, they've been around for a while. They're, they're becoming more and more, uh, commonplace, I guess, as more and more people get experience with fantasy football, um, but these next two, these are very cool league ideas. These are for, you know, the the fantasy football players that are really looking for something new. They're not just looking to tweak their regular league. They're looking for almost a different kind of game that involves what they love about fantasy football. So this first one, I have to admit, I've never been part of one. I heard, I first heard about this type of league a few years ago, um, listening to another podcast. There was a listener who called in to describe this league that they had just um, become part of, and it's called a vampire league. So very, very cool league idea. And if you have the guts to be the vampire, to play as the vampire, this could be the ultimate test in your ability to like find hidden talent to to uh, you know recognize those diamonds in the rough. So the way it works is: say you have a twelve-team vampire league. Eleven of the teams just do a regular draft, however you want to do it: snake draft, auction. Um, we'll be talking about those next week if you're not familiar with all those terms. But uh, they fill out their rosters, they fill out their benches, and then that's it. The only other job that those teams have for the rest of the season is setting their lineup. So in a way, it's kind of like a best ball league, which we talked about last week, except that you are you have to make the start sit decision. So it doesn't it doesn't just optimize it for you. That's their team, though, for the whole season. There's no waiver wire for those teams. There's no trades allowed for those teams. So you must, you, you know, you have to pick up a backup quarterback. You have to pick up a backup kicker. You have to pick up a couple of defenses to make sure that on your bye weeks you're able to set your lineup. So the twelfth team is the vampire team. They start with whatever's left over. So eleven teams picked, and everything that's left over, they build their team up. But that team has full access to the waivers. So basically they have, they set their lineup and they've got, you know, they can add and drop players at will. So any surprise breakouts um, that come out of nowhere, they can join their team at any time, right? A Justin Herbert could have joined their team. A James Robinson could have joined their team. A Justin Jefferson, like that's huge. 
the vampire also gets to set their own schedule. So after all the teams are drafted, they look at all the rosters, they look at all the bye weeks, and they decide when they get to play each team, and then the rest of the league schedule gets set after that. So the way it works is when you play the vampire team, if they win, they get to automatically force a trade any one starter on their team for a starter on your team at the same position, right? Oh, yeah. So if I, you know, if I've got a uh, an Andy Dalton at quarterback, and you've got Patrick Mahomes, and for whatever reason he has a dud week, or the rest of your team has a dud week, and I win, well, you're riding the red rocket, baby, and I'm I'm playing patty cake all the way on. So basically, the vampire just gets stronger and stronger uh, as the season goes on. So it's a it's a pretty you know pretty far out there, but a pretty pretty cool way to look at the game of fantasy football. I want in, and I feel like well, I want in, and I want to be the vampire. Um, but that's a topic for another time. <laughs> another fun league uh, is a guillotine league, and I'll tell you right now, guillotine leagues are fun. They're ruthless. They're brutal. And they're just like they sound, man. It can be end quick. So uh, the way this works, it's a total points league. But instead of head-to-head... Oh, sorry. It's total points instead of head-to-head. So basically, you track your points for the entire season. Every team drafts as normal. Every team gets a set amount of fab money. So fab money, if you're not familiar, it's a free agent auction budget. Essentially, the waiver wire is a blind auction every week where you bid as much or little for your fa- of your fab for whomever you want. So at the end of week one, the lowest score of the league is out guillotine chop (laughs) that manager is done for the season and all of their players go into the waiver pool so this is where the fab money comes into play at the end of week two same thing lowest score gonzo and so on until you get to two super teams at the end of the league at the end of the year playing in the finals uh so the more teams you have the more the longer you can go as a league so having 15 or 16 teams uh works perfectly this sounds like an amazing super fun league i've never tried a guillotine league i would love to jump in in one of these as well I think this would be really cool. I think that this would be, um, you know, one, if we could get some, maybe some listeners, uh, this might be an idea to to join in and see what kind of super teams can build up by the end. But uh, it's the, the other crazy thing, as I think about this is not, you know, not just the fact that you could be out if you make a mistake in your start sit or if somebody doesn't perform, but you've got to really, really manage your fab money because you you know you want to like people are going to be jumping all over those first couple weeks those superstars um but then later in the season like if you've got injuries or whatever and all of a sudden you can replace them with uh you know a running back one or a wide receiver one um that's hugely valuable too so yeah i'd be i'd be really into trying one of those if we could get enough people together that'd be awesome well, and the draft would be so much different too, right? You do drafts now, and you're, you're thinking about the playoffs at the end of the regular season where these leagues, you got to be coming out of the gates hot. So you're drafting for week one, two, and three, and your team's going to look a lot different by the end of the season. That's, oh, man. Uh, yeah, cool twist. It would be terrible if you lost in week one, though, after oh, all. Whatever. Oh, boy. Whatever. All I right. Losing to Christian last year. <laughs> no, he would have been gone by then. So, uh, yeah, anyways, um, so two quarterbacks, Superflex, IDP, Vampire League, and Guillotine League. Um, you know, maybe one of those Maybe one of those sounds like it's up your alley and uh, you want to go out and find, find something to join up or maybe you want to talk to your existing league mates and see if they're up for something different this year. But uh, you know what? No matter what kind of league you're playing in, it's important that we keep up with what's happening around the NFL. So what do you say we get to the fancy news? I've just been handed an urgent... And horrifying news story. And I need all of you 
to stop what you're doing and listen. It's time for Fantasy Football News. Oh boy. Like, um, I think, is it possible that last year every single player on the 49ers got hurt twice? Like, is that sound like it? I, I think that's an accurate description. You know, 2020 was hard on the world, but it was double hard if you were a 49er. And uh, they just started minicamp. They're already down two players. One of their offensive tackles is torn in ACL, so he's done. And uh, one of their safeties, Tarverius Moore, he tore his Achilles at the same practice. And I guess Kyle Shanahan, when that happened, just blew his whistle and told everybody to go shower and get out of here because something there's some bad uh, bad voodoo or something on the field. It's not That's a good way. It's not how you want to start, man. You know, it's like you're you draft your fantasy team, and the next day. You know, word comes out that Le'Veon Bell's sitting out for the season. Like, you're so full of hope, and then on day one, it's just like, ooh, what are we going to do? But, uh, you know, the Patriots, they're having some injury troubles. Not quite as serious, but not what you want. Like, last week we talked about uh, Cam Newton. He had a bone bruise. He whacked his hand against somebody's helmet and, you know, thankfully didn't break anything. Um, but uh, they paid up big to get two new tight end weapons. They got Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith, you know, kind of a, kind of an interesting move by Belichick and co. But uh, both of these guys left practice this week with lower body injuries. Um, if, you know, all the talk is this is going to be a bounce back for New England, this is going to be a bounce back to the Patriot winning way. But if they want to compete in that tough division, and it feels weird to say that, that tough division... Uh, they need all their weapons on the field. They can't have guys getting nicked up and and bruised up and missing time already. This is this is concerning. Well, not to mention Stefan Gilmore. I don't know if you heard today. I don't see if it's on our news or not, but he's wants a new contract. So he's a big part of that uh, team as well on the other side of the ball. So stay tuned. Um, Todd Gurley, he didn't sign in Detroit, and he's still looking for a home. He visited the Baltimore Ravens this past week. Uh, the Ravens already have two stud running backs with established roles, but uh, it sounds like Gurley might get some work if signed. So I don't know, man. I don't I don't know. Gurley, you don't get a job in Detroit. I don't We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Um, and Kyler Murray wants to run less this season. That's not a surprise. Ooh. He's very tiny. Well, he's only little. Be nice. He's only little. Uh, this would obviously lower his ceiling as far as uh, fantasy output and, and probably move him down some quarterback ranks if it came true. Uh, we currently have him as our number four quarterback going into the season, so definitely something to monitor. Yeah, no kidding. Like, that's the – we talked about it. That's his cheat code. That's his, uh, you know, his super value that he offers is that speed with the legs. Um, we got a couple guys who, uh, you know, they ruined a lot of teams fantasy success last year. Uh, Christian McCaffrey and Michael Thomas. If you, if you spent a first round pick on those guys, you probably weren't too happy, but good news is they look like they're both healthy. They look like they're, you know, primed and ready to bounce back this year. Um, it's tricky because they're both going, uh, they're both staying on the same team they were on, but both of them are playing with a new quarterback. Um, obviously McCaffrey is way less affected by this than Thomas. So it's going to be, we don't even know who Thomas's quarterback is. We, we have an assumption and we'll get to that when we do our quarterback ranks, but, uh, you know, for a wide receiver, that connection is, is everything. So he might be healthy, but we don't know what his season's going to look like. We'll see. All right. You knew it was coming, buddy. Choo, choo, all aboard the hype train. Kyle Pitts is reportedly being force-fed targets at Falcons camp. 
that simply cements his status as a player I will never get to have on my team this year. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be fun to watch to see how, who reaches the highest to get Kyle Pitts. I can't wait to see. Oh, boy. Um, Russell Wilson, another guy we've been talking about for a lot this, or for a lot, a lot this offseason. Uh, Mr. Unlimited himself insists he never asked for a trade out of Seattle. Uh, this is a good way to make your teammates and fans happy after you definitely asked for a trade out of Seattle. <laughs> sounds like what and, my sounds like what my four year old said when he like did something that he knows later was wrong, and you're like, "Well, why did you do that?" He goes, "No, no, I didn't. No, I never did that. No, didn't happen. Nope. No, you're wrong. <laughs> it wasn't me. Yeah, no, it exactly wasn't me. Yet. Yep. No, that was a different guy." Um, a sneaky name that we've kind of mentioned a little bit in this off season, but I don't think it's going to be sneaky as the season approaches. Irv Smith Jr. Um, it sounds like he's going to take a huge share of the tight end targets in mini, and instead of, oh, sorry, he will not have a much larger share of the tight end targets in mini. Instead, we'll split with Ty Conklin and Kyle instead of Kyle Rudolph. What is happening here? Yeah, so this was this was kind of a report as their camp got going. You know, when Rudolph left, um, Irv Smith had showed last year without Rudolph on the field that he he I think he was around the tight end four. Um, if you combined all the weeks that he was the he was the sole guy there, but uh, basically what it's looking like is that they've just you know instead of giving him a larger share, it's going to be Tyler Conklin and him. It's just going to be a mess. You know, both of these guys are probably just bi week fill-ins at this point, unfortunately for him. So uh, yeah, you know, I was I I'll I'll, I'll take it. I, it wasn't really us. It was me. I was kind of lightly lightly banging the Irv Smith Jr. Uh, sneaky pickup drum, but uh, yeah, that, that drum's gone. She gone. All right, well, we uh, mentioned last week in contract talk that the Jets were trying to get Jamison Crowder to uh, take a salary cut. They wanted him to stay with the team. They needed to make the money work. Um, it sounds like a deal has been reached. Uh, I haven't seen any exact details, which probably tells me he did take quite a big salary cut. Um, he's going to be a free agent this season, so I guess he wants to uh, bet on himself and prove it, and uh, we'll see what happens. But, you know, I, I mentioned it. He He's a member of uh, my LOEG team, or he was this past year. He's definitely the best weapon that they've had, uh, most consistent when he's on the field. And he's a guy that they want with their rookie quarterback. They He's, he's kind of the dependable guy uh, that they need to have out there. So good for them for, for figuring something out and good for him, I guess, for, for betting on himself going into his, his contract year. Um, and uh, Joe Burrow, he's talking up one of his receivers, and it's not the one you might think. You know, they spent big on Jamar Chase, but uh, it's T. Higgins. Burrow says he expects Higgins to have a big year. Now, he was kind of a fantasy darling, kind of an unheralded rookie who broke out last year, but uh, I think his upside definitely takes a hit after Cincinnati spent their fifth overall pick on a wide receiver and a wide receiver that uh, Joe Burrow is more than familiar with. But we've got Chase, we've got Higgins, and don't forget about Tyler Boyd. Um, You know, this is kind of, uh, you know, Pittsburgh has the big three in the AFC North, and Cincinnati kind of has the little big three, I think. No, they do, and they got... They're going to be throwing a lot, so I it's I can see Higgins having a pretty good fantasy season, and and that offense as long as Burrow's healthy is going to be clicking. Um, another team in our division, their receiver Odell Beckham Jr. is participating in drills without any brace, and he looks ready to go. I read a report from Jarvis Landry saying he looks better than ever, so yeah, surprise there. Um, 
In Denver, Cortland Sutton is expected to be healthy to begin training camp. Uh, I read some reports about Jerry Judy looking great as well, so that uh, it could be a really nice duo for whoever is the quarterback in Denver when the season rolls around. And speaking of quarterbacks, Tua did not look good day one of minicamp. He threw five picks, struggling during 11-on-11 drills. I know it's only June. I know it was really rainy, but that news is not great. Yeah, they're uh, they're quickly looking through their Rolodex to see if they still have Ryan Fitzpatrick's number anywhere. Yee, what's the Washington area code? Oh boy! All right, well, you know what? It's our it's time for our weekly Rogers Walk segment here, buddy. Packers president Mark Murphy spoke out this past week, and uh, he had some interesting things to say. He he, you know, he did talk up Aaron Rodgers and how much he means to the team and and to him, but uh, he pointed out that he's divided the fan base. There's no consensus. Some Packers fans are, you know, they're not too happy with the MVP and they want him to go. And some of them are, you know, hoping it all gets worked out and he comes back. Um, He also said that Rodgers is a complicated fella. And, uh, you know, that's that's the way it looks to me, too. He is officially absent for mandatory minicamp practices and there's no solution in sight like it's it doesn't seem like they're getting closer together it seems like they're both just kind of standing with their backs to each other and every few seconds they look over their shoulder and say hmm. um and uh yesterday i was reading rogers released a statement kind of jokingly saying he's really enjoyed his quiet off season so uh you know kind of half joking and half rubbing it in the face of the packers that he doesn't care so what do you think here jeff how much of a chance is there legitimately that Rodgers is back in the green and gold this year. Well, I'm, he was, you know, seen with a shirt that said offended. I guess he did some press conference for that golf thing. He's involved with Tom Brady or something. And he was wearing a shirt that says offended on it. I'm sure that's by design. <laughs> um, first of all, any green Bay Packer fan will gladly take him back. If he decides to come back, I'm not so convinced that the fan base is divided. Um, I'm sure they're not thrilled with how it'll play out, but if number 12 is playing week one, they're going to be cheering just as loud as ever. But I don't think he will be. And uh, you said there's no solution. I think there is a solution. Just trade him away. It's not pretty, but you're going to get a nice return for the reigning MVP. Um, it's obviously not what you want. And the longer wait they wait, the less confidence I have in Jordan Love. So, um, mm. yeah, I mean, I didn't think he would be sitting out the mandatory stuff. Um, I know obviously he's, you know, career earnings and all that jazz, but, uh, yeah, it's getting ugly now. Complicated fella. Yep. <laughs> do you think he comes back? What do you think? I don't know, man. I don't think so. I, it, it seems so crazy to say, um, but just, I don't see how, I don't see how he could make it work at this point. I don't see how they could, uh, reconcile whatever differences they've got. Um, I, th- I honestly, as Maybe this next guy we're going to talk about has soured me on uh, on players holding out, but I honestly feel like if they just come to a you know a log jam and say no, we're not doing anything, that he might just say, well, I'll just relax this year and take a year off. Um, I don't like it. I don't. I don't think that's the way that sports should be going, and I don't think that's the way that multimillionaire, you know game players should be going but uh i think that's the way it is right now i think he's i think he's out or he's out of the game for a year but he's not coming back well we all lose in that scenario if he sits out which is would be a shame for sure uh yeah you kind of hinted on the next guy it's Le'Veon bell so uh he says there's there's no chance 
he'll play for Andy Reid ever again. That he'll sign with him, uh, sign with the team when he's ready, and he won't be rushing to signing like he was last year. All things considered, it seems like when he signed with the Chiefs, he was told he'd have a starting role and instead ending up averaging about seven carries a game before being scratched in both the conference title and Super Bowl game. Uh, you asked the question, what, if any, value do you think he carries this year? I mean, Gurley's getting invites, and he's not. That's kind of speaks volumes to me. I don't know if a team is even going to pick him up unless they have an injury. Well, and you know what? It's Part of it might be attitude, and part of it is Todd Gurley, yardage-wise, didn't do a lot, but he scored a lot of touchdowns last year. And uh, I don't know that you could really say the same thing about Lev Bell. So, um, you know, who do you think gets picked up first, Lev Bell or Frank Gore? the fact you're asking that question says everything there's 25 years difference in age but oh boy all right well we got one more piece of news here and uh i don't know what to think of this one except that it's maybe foolish just when you thought matt Nagy couldn't fit any more of his foot into his mouth he comes out and tells chris collinsworth there is no possible scenario where justin fields could be the week one starter like none zero so i guess he's telling us that if andy dalton decides to retire from football for religious reasons justin fields can't start if andy dalton is a little banged up and needs a uh, you know a cortisone injection and accidentally gets his lung punctured there's no way that fields could start like, what are you doing, man? It's June. It's June. You don't know anything. You don't know anything <laughs> about what's going on. Why would you say that? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, even like, for Coach okay, Steve, it's so dumb. Justin Fields is a rookie. I get it. Andy Dalton was brought in before the draft to be the starter. I get it. You promised the guy, you you know, cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle in my eye, hope I eat a pumpkin pie. You told him that he was the starter. Well, guess what? Things change because you trade it up, and if you get to training camp and Andy Dalton's falling to pieces and Fields looks like the real deal, are you telling me that because you gave your word, I gave my word as a man, he's going to be the starter? Come on, man. Why would you say this? Hashtag gong show. Hashtag three ring circus. Hashtag job hunting in October for Matt Nagy. You know what? It's enough of these dummy coaches and these holdout <laughs> morons. Let's get uh, to the real important stuff. Let's jump into the Falcomaniacs fan zone. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Welcome to the Falcomaniacs fan zone. <laughs> I'm a fan, sir. I am a fan. We're not worthy. We're not worthy. I was so, worried. I was worried you're about to say, "Let's get to the other dummies." Ooh. <laughs> oh no, not at all. We're talking about the more important people here, and that's the people that support this podcast. And first of all, we want to thank out, uh, thank you to everyone who reached out and answered our question. And remember, you can always send us an email at fantasyfalconfootball at gmail dot com. Uh, reply by vote or message on Instagram at Falcomaniacs and send us a voicemail using the link in the show description. All right, so uh, we had we had a few responses come in uh, through our league group chats. We had a few responses come in over email and a number of responses come in from Reddit. So the question last week we asked um, you to put in order after the Julio trade. We had Calvin Ridley, AJ Brown, and Julio Jones. Put them in order of how you think they're going to finish. And uh, basically, there was there was basically a general consensus uh, between just about everybody that it was either going to be Ridley first, Brown second, or Jones third, or Brown first, Ridley second, Jones third. 
And uh, there was a lot of discussion about the two scenarios, and it told us two very clear things about how people look at these players. So first of all, there's not much difference in the way that people look at Calvin Ridley and A.J. Brown, which was interesting to me because one is now all by himself, right? Ridley's all by himself, which Brown was kind of last year. And uh, the other guy has another, you know, top end weapon who just joined his team. Uh, but the second thing is that Julio is clearly, clearly, clearly considered the third. And uh, if you look at the way that the experts have these guys ranked in PPR, Ridley's number five, Brown's number eight, Julio's number 15. And in standard, uh, Ridley's number four, Brown's number five, and Julio's number 14. So, you know, basically everybody's on the same page. Julio's kind of a distant third, but still just outside that wide receiver one range. Um, you know, so we have no idea what it's going to look like in Tennessee, but uh, but I think just with the age, with the uh, the emerging talent, those are the top two guys you're going to be targeting in that situation: Ridley and AJ Brown. Yeah, I think so. It's uh, it was pretty. You know, people had some strong opinions about Julio as far as how far down the rankings he's going to end up, but uh, he was the third everywhere I saw it as well. Um, so we also got an email from uh, one of our loyal listeners, and it's a long one, I will warn you, but it's pretty well thought out, and uh, so rather than edit it down, we felt like it was worthwhile to read it in its entirety. Uh, so let's start here. Hey guys, first, let's start this off positive. Congratulations and happy episode 47, or as I like to call it, Hall of Famer, Super Bowl champion, nine-time Pro Bowler, Paul Amalo only at eight, number six ranked hard, hardest hitter of all time, Paul Amalo is only number 27, famed broadcaster and Super Bowl appearing, appearing, GM of the 49ers, <laughs> the greatest, all caps, strong safety ever, John Lynch Day. Well, it just kind of rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? No, it doesn't. And I kind of, before I get any farther, I've got some questions about how you rank Lynch higher than Paul Amalo. Uh, let's go through some stats real fast. I know we're trying to run. Paul uh, Lynch, tw- 224 games, 26 picks. 16 forced fumbles, 28 tackles for a loss, 13 sacks. Not too bad. Mm, pretty good. Paul Amalo in only 158 games had 32 picks, so <laughs> six more, 14 forced fumbles, only two less, 56 tackles for a loss, like double, and 12 sacks. So, uh, yeah, he can be a harder hitter, but, uh, yeah, I'll take number 43 all day. Anyways, mm-hmm. back to the email. Now that we've got the pleasantries out of the way, I have a disagreement with you guys. Calm down, Steve. Don't lose your mind. Try to maintain composure. I loved your rankings of the top quarterbacks for this year all the way from one to two. And then I got heated. (laughs) I do not believe that Dak Prescott should be the third-ranked fantasy quarterback. I don't even know if I put him in the top ten. What? Let's look at this by number first. Last year, Dak was en route to having a fabulous year in football, both real and fantasy, before his season was sidelined by a horrific leg injury. True. But here are some facts. Fact. Oh, lost my spot. Dak had a mediocre week one against the LA Rams, the number one ranked defense, posting only 17 points. After that, he went off. But who did he go off against? The Falcons, number 29 ranked defense. The Seahawks, 22nd ranked defense. The Browns, 17th ranked defense. And the game he was injured, the Giants, the 12th ranked D. So he beat up on a bunch of average to bad defenses. He probably put them in those rankings by beating them up. Uh, Dallas was ranked number 23 and couldn't stop teams from scoring on them, adding to Dak's playing time and forcing him to throw the ball much more. Very true. 
How much more, you ask? Dak threw the ball 34 times for 20 completions and one touchdown when the complete the Cowboys were tied or had the lead. He threw the ball 188 times when the Cowboys were playing from behind. That's astounding. If Dallas is as good as Jeff thinks they're going to be, I don't think there's any way that Dak throws the ball that much. Well, I don't know how good I think Dallas is going to be. Maybe. Anyways. Um, facts. Number two. Dak Prescott has never ranked higher than 11 in fantasy football since 2017, with the exception of 2020. In fact, his fantasy points until last year have steadily declined. In 2017, he was the 11th ranked fantasy quarterback. 2018, he was 13th. In 2019, he was 18th. Or 2019, he was 18th. Until last year, when he was forced to throw the ball almost every play, he was on the way to being fantasy irrelevant. Hmm. Now let's quickly talk about some things that are just gut feelings. Okay, let's do that. <laughs> there was once a young QB who in his rookie year was on his way to being a future all-star, even won rookie of the year honors. But in his last game, a playoff game, he suffered a semi-serious leg injury and he was never been talked about in the fantasy football again. His name was Robert Griffin III. Griffin was never the same, which is true. He played scared football and because he was and because he was scared, he rushed everything and did he did and made countless mistakes. I feel the same thing will happen to Dak Prescott. Oh man, Dak will be too fearful of getting hurt. The same, of, uh, too fearful of getting hurt and suffer the same. His numbers will suffer the same and drop dramatically. But Steve, he plays behind one of the best offensive lines in the league. Oh, you mean the same offensive line that couldn't properly protect him last year? Dak will not only be fearful of getting hurt, he will be fearful of his O line letting him get hurt. Well, he scrambled on that, so I don't know if it was his O line fault. Add to the fact that he plays for the Dallas Cowboys, who since the early 2000s have been cursed just to just lose games, lose seasons, squander talent, and nurture mediocrity. The biggest problem I see for Dak being successful is he plays for a good team that's part of a horrendous franchise. Jerry Jones will ruin Dak Prescott. Not to mention the fact that I don't believe Jerry really wanted Dak to begin with. Otherwise, why would he have waited three years to sign him to a lucrative extension when he could have signed him in 2018 for a much cheaper deal? All this is just feeling. Maybe Dak will go off and be QB1 by the end of the season. Maybe the Cowboys will find a way to win ball games and make it to the playoffs. Maybe I'll have to eat my words. But maybe, just maybe, you guys are putting him above a lot of other QBs who put up consistently good fantasy numbers and real stats. I'll mention a few I believe will finish better than Dak. Again, this is Steve. I know it's been a long email. This is still a reader <laughs> saying this. These are the guys he thinks will be better than Dak. Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Justin Herbert. Big Ben, Matt Stafford, Baker Mayfield, Kirk Cousins, Tom Brady, Derek Carr, and Fitzmagic. And yes, as much as it pains me to say it, I even think Carson Wentz will finish better than Dak. Carson, absolutely terrible Wentz, nicknamed Patent Pending. Anyways, guys, we usually see eye to eye, and I'm probably looking at being verbally thrashed by you guys. I just want to say my piece. Dak will be terrible this year. Love you guys. Holy moly. I, you know what? First of all, kudos to you, Jeff, because uh, that might be the longest audio book uh, in recorded history. So <laughs> bravo. You got through it uh, in one take. Very nice. And um, second of all, you know, thank you to Steve. It's not all sunshine and roses in this business. We understand that. We get a lot of positive feedback. And if we say something that you don't agree with or if we make a mistake, we want to hear about it. However, yeah. as much as it's your right to let us know where you know you might see things a little bit differently, 
Um, I think it's up to us if we if we believe in what we're doing to not flip flop and to uh, to let you know where we might disagree. Would you say that's fair, Jeff? I would say that's fair. All right. So, um, you know, I don't want to spend too much time because I know we we've been going a little while. We have a lot to get to. We've got our uh, we've got our quarterback two rankings to talk about today. But uh, there, there's a few things that I want to bring up here. So before before we get started on this, before we say too much, uh, the only really accurate thing that I heard was how much Jeff loves the Dallas Cowboys. I, yeah, what is that? <laughs> I caught him once secretly, you know, we were on a camping trip and, and he was secretly in the camping washroom with a Tony Romo jersey, just flexing and, and doing the Heisman pose and just, uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know where I, I didn't realize you were such a fan, I guess. But, uh, you know, did I. hey, different strokes <laughs> for different folks, right? All right. So just so that we're all on the same, just so that we're all on the same page here, listeners out there, Steve had time, obviously, to uh, kind of look up some of the stats. And I just want to make sure we're all on the same page. So 2016, Dak's rookie season, um, you know, explosive rookie year. Tony Romo went down. He came in. He finishes quarterback six. He had 284 fantasy points. Um, you know, 3,600 yards and uh, 23 touchdowns and ran for another six touchdowns. 2017, um, you know, and we, we may have been looking at slightly different uh, fantasy finishes, maybe six-point passing touchdown versus four-point, but pretty close. So Steve said he finished quarterback 11. Um, when I was looking on Fantasy Pros, I found he finished quarterback 10. So he did go down a little bit in his second season. He finished with 248 fantasy points, but pretty similar stats. The big difference was his interception rate uh, went way up from his rookie year. Um, so, and then you're right, 2018, he had a down year. Absolutely. Finished as the quarterback 15 outside of QB1. Now, interestingly, he had more fantasy points than when he finished as quarterback 10. So 2018, you know, we're talking uh, Patrick Mahomes' big explosion year. Pretty similar stats, actually about 500 more yards. So he had about 3,900 yards, still 22 TDs, still six TDs on the ground. If you remember back those first three seasons, it was kind of a running joke. He always gets six rushing touchdowns, six rushing touchdowns, six rushing touchdowns. Now, here's where we have a little bit of an issue because you really dumped on his 2019, Steve. Like, really? Fantasy irrelevant, I believe, is the term that you used. And... I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. There might have been a little miscalculation. So going back and looking at 2019, Dak Prescott finished as the quarterback three. The quarterback three with 319 fantasy points, 4,900 passing yards, 30 passing touchdowns, and he actually, for the first time ever, did not get six rushing touchdowns. He only had three. And then this past year, week one to five, he was tied for the quarterback two, except he didn't finish week five. He got hurt. So if you look at week one to four, he was the quarterback number one. He finished with 151 completions for almost 2,000 yards and nine touchdowns. That's in four and a half games. He finished with 100 rushing yards and three rushing touchdowns in four and a half games. So I know it's not realistic, but his 16-game pace was 6,000 yards, 30 touchdowns, and 10 rushing touchdowns. So I'm not saying that's what he would have done. That would be unbelievable. Uh, But he was on pace for his most pass attempts ever. Absolutely, you're right. 
The offensive line struggled. They had to throw the ball more. But if you look, since his rookie season, he has gone up every year in pass attempts. 460, 490, 526, 596. That's his first four years going up every year. Now, you criticize his offensive line, and and rightfully so. His first four years, they were amazing. Number two in the league, number four. Number 14, 2018, that down year. Number four. And then number 27 last year. But that was based on injuries, not based on players. The 2021 pre-ranking and all these rankings for the O-line come from Pro Football Focus. They're ranked as the number six. They've got healthy linemen coming back and Dak should be able to stand in behind them, right? So I'm not going to, I don't want to get too too picky on things. But I do want to look at a couple couple other things, all right? So, sorry, uh, he's probably sweating a little bit over there. Sorry, Steve. Um, you know, that 2019, we'll have to look at what happened there. But uh, I do want to look at what happened in 2018. Why did he have that down year? So first, rookie season and second season, here's his receiving cores. Rookie year, he had Des Bryant, Terrence Williams, and Cole Beasley, right? The number two in Buffalo right now. The guy who people talk about as the most underrated receiver in the league. 2017, when he went down a little bit, he just had Des and Terrence Williams. In 2018, his worst season... He started the year with Michael Gallup, and that's basically it. And then halfway through the season, they brought in Amari Cooper in a trade. So when you bring in a wide receiver, even a talented one, that's tough. Halfway through the year, that's tough. 2019, he had Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup, and both of them were 1,000-yard receivers. And last year, in the little bit of time he had, he had Cooper, Gallup, and Lamb, and that's what he's got to going. And that's what he's got going into right now. So the reality is. In four full seasons, Dak has been top 10 three times. He's been his top six twice. The only season he finished outside the top 10, he had no wide receiver one, and now he has the best wide receiver core he's ever played with. It sounds like he's healthy. Sounds like he's ready to show everybody that the first month of last season was no fluke. The O-line is stronger, and one important thing to remember, what happened in 2019 when he had his best fantasy finish ever? The Dallas Cowboys hired Kellen Moore to be the offensive coordinator. He was the offensive coordinator in 2019 when Dak finished number three. He was the offensive coordinator in 2020 when Dak was number one before he got hurt. And in 2021, I'll give you a guess, Jeff, who's the Dallas Cowboys offensive coordinator? Uh, Steve Henning. Nope. Kellen Moore. Oh, boy. And uh, I know we're moving along here. I don't want to rub too much salt in the wound there, buddy, but... Uh, <laughs> One little, one little thing that, you know, it kind of irked me, kind of, kind of took a sarcastic tone, you know, when we started talking about, uh, RG three, that's a tough one. I was an RG three owner. It hurt me real bad when he went out and, uh, you know, Steve pointed out he was, you know, his rookie year was so amazing. This guy was going to change football and then he got hurt and never did anything again. And that's, what's going to happen to Dak, except there's one little problem with that. In his first four seasons, Dak Prescott played every single game. He didn't miss a snap unless it was a game that was on ice and they put him away. Robert Griffin III tore his ACL when he was in college. When he uh, when he was in his rookie season, he got hit real bad and got a bad concussion. Then he tore his ACL and LCL in the same knee. Then, or sorry, sprained it. Then he tore his ACL, LCL, and meniscus in the same knee. So same knee for all of them. Missed, you know, quite a bit of time. Came back uh, partway through the following season. Then dislocated his left ankle. 
Then the next season had another concussion. Then the next season fractures his left shoulder. Then the next season had another concussion. So I'm seeing one small difference between a guy who didn't miss a snap for four years and then broke his ankle and a guy who literally has been lucky to get through a game without breaking something. So I love you, Steve, but uh, get that garbage out of here. Yeah, and you know what? I'm not, we're not done yet. So I don't Ooh. have stats to back all this jazz up, but I mean, you say not top 10. Uh, Carson Wentz, Kirk <laughs> Cousins, Derek Carr, Big Ben, Baker, Fitzmagic. That's six names you said you think will finish higher than Dak. First of all, this feels like it's something b- bigger than Dak Prescott. I feel like Steve really hates Dallas. Like he plays Madden on rookie level and he plays against Dallas just to beat up on them. And yeah, like you said, the injury with him and RG3 is different. Yeah, this is a foot ankle thing, and RJ3's knee was a mess. I mean, the Texas Tornado won an Intercontinental Championship without actually having a foot. So I think it's a lot <laughs> different, and Dak can get around behind the line. I am putting this out there for you right now, Steve. You said six guys. I just listed them off. Cousins, Carr, Ben, Baker, Wentz, and Fitz. I'm putting a sandwich on each one of those names. I say Dak beats them all. Six sandwich bet. We got Rubens, BLTs, Hoagies, Subs, Dagwoods, Hero Sandwiches, whatever you want. Six of them on the line if you're willing. I'm waiting your reply. A six sandwich bet. The first ever. Oh my goodness. Well, I can't wait to hear Steve's reply. I'm sure he's going to leave us a voicemail using the link in the show description and and get back at us. Tell us us what you think, Steve. Wipe your tears away and and take it on the chin. Put your money or your food where your mouth is. (laughs) That's always a good plan. All right. Well, you know, now that we've uh, now that we finished with that little dust up job, well done, buddy. Congrats. Um, you know, we've, uh, we've gone through the top guys. And if you're in a one quarterback league, we've gone through most of the names you're going to be interested in, uh, for your draft. But if you're looking a little deeper, if you're in a two quarterback or super flex league, you need some more names. You need to, uh, to know where these guys stand. So we are about to hit up volume two of our 2021 quarterback rankings. Out of order. I show you out of order. You don't know what out of order is. Fantasy Falcon football player ranks. So like we mentioned last week, when we're looking at these players, uh, their ranking reflects uh, Jeff's rank and my own, our consensus. And we'll also, we'll give you where we had them ranked. We'll give you our consensus and also the current expert consensus rank, uh, courtesy of Fantasy Pros, and where they finished last year in fantasy football. So this is based on Aloigi scoring. Uh, We go by six points per passing touchdown, six points per rushing touchdown. Uh, really quickly, we're going to move a little faster, uh, this week through these players since, you know, for not every league, they're, they're super valuable picks, but good names to know and good ones to watch for on the waiver wire, maybe, but really quick from last week, our top 15 at number one, we had Patrick Mahomes. Number two, we had Josh Allen. Steve knows it. Number three, (laughs) Dak Prescott. Oh boy. Dak Henning Prescott. Number four, we had Kyler Murray. Number five, Lamar Jackson. Number six, Russell Wilson. And number seven, the absent MVP, Aaron Rodgers. And then rounding it out, we had number eight, Tom Brady. Number nine was Justin Herbert. Number 10, Ryan Tannehill. 11, Jalen Hurts. Number 12, Joe Burrow. Number 13, Matt Stafford. Beef Kirky at number 14. And rookie phenom, Trevor Lawrence at number 15. 
All right, and starting us off this week at number 16, we have Big Bad Baker Mayfield. I had Baker actually as my number 15. Jeff, you had him a little lower at number 17, where the expert consensus had him as well. And last year, he was right in this spot, number 16. So um, I'll be honest, looking over his stats, we didn't really see any big growth last year. Uh, but as we've mentioned, um, as we've mentioned before on the show, last season he had about a month stretch where it was unreal the weather he was playing in. The passing game was non-existent, so he basically lost four games. Um, and as well, his big wide receiver, uh, Odell Beckham Jr., he was injured for quite a bit of the season, although technically I guess the passing attack really took off once he was gone. Um, but the truth is, you know, I, it pains me to say it, but the Browns are a legit team. They've got a great O-line. They've got a great running game. They've got a great defense. Um, I don't think Baker is going to be asked to win too many games by himself, but he does have an opportunity to take a step forward, especially if he develops that connection with OBJ. And uh, looking over his career, he's been consistent around 300 completions, around, you know, 35 to 3,800 yards and and just under 30 touchdowns, 22 to 27 touchdowns. There's lots of room for growth, but, you know, he's this low because I'm not sure we've really seen a sign that it's on the way yet. Well, and the run game is just so efficient that they don't need to throw it and it kind of limits what the quarterback can do fantasy wise. So, and I just, I don't see that stopping next year. Like you said, Cleveland is a complete squad and they're, as long as he doesn't lose them games, he's going to be uh, behind center. So um, it'll be interesting to see if he does take a step forward. Uh, our next guy, number 17 on our list, kind of have some, you know, a big gap between me and you and our rankings. So Matt Ryan is our 17th ranked quarterback. Uh, I had him at number 16. The experts had him at number 14. 2020 finished number 14. But Kyle, you had him at number 21. Uh, talk to me about why he's so much lower than everybody else. Well, you know, I talked about it pretty extensively last week. I moved him way down after the Julio trade. Um, if you again, if you didn't hear, if you didn't hear all our talk about the Julio trade last week, make sure you go back and listen to episode forty-six, and you'll also get all of our uh, one to fifteen quarterback ranks. Um, I'm not going to go too deep into it again this week, but basically, the big takeaway is the splits that he showed with and without Julio. Um, it was massive gap when the, both of them were on the field, when Julio and Ridley were on the field, Ryan averaged 26 fantasy points. And when Julio was not on the field, he only averaged 13, even though Ridley was still, uh, even though Ridley was still a valuable player. Now I know they have Kyle Pitts. I know they brought him in um, as part of the future of this team and as another elite passing weapon, but I don't think he's ready to take off week one. I don't think he's going to, you know, break onto the scene with this this amazing debut. And maybe I'm totally wrong. It would be pretty cool to see if he did. But I think it takes a little time to adjust to the game. Uh, so that hurts his value up front. And I hear a lot of talk lately about how they have Russell Gage and people expect Russell Gage to take mm-hmm. this big step forward. Um, he was here last year. He was up and down. He had a couple great games and then he was non-existent for a while. And even the weeks when Julio was out, it, you couldn't really count on him as a, uh, as a valuable piece. So maybe somehow Gage and Pitts combine to, uh, give him the consistent target quality he needs, but, uh, I don't really trust it. I think he's another year older, another year farther away from his prime. And, uh, I don't want any of them this year on my teams. Yeah, 4,581 yards with 26 touchdowns and 11 picks last year. And, I mean, he's had Julio at security blanket for him his whole career, right, basically? So now that that's gone, does he, you know, become a more, you know, balanced quarterback and kind of spread it out a little more, or is he just force-feed Ridley? It'll be interesting to see what happens in Atlanta, but it's a dicey pick if he's your your quarterback one, that's for sure. Yep, Craig should have traded him a couple weeks ago, buddy. Sorry. 
All right. Well, number 18, kind of straight across the board. 18 for me, 18 for you, 18 for the experts. We have Carson. What did Steve call him? Carson. I'm a terrible quarterback. Wentz. Uh, he finished last year as number 23, quarterback number 23. Now he did miss some games. And of course he is on a different team. So, um, you know, it's interesting. I, I have a whole bunch of stuff written for Wentz, but I'm not going anywhere near it. But basically the gist of it is, uh, we saw him have quite a bit of success with the Eagles. Um, he had a season where the talk was MVP, not just he's a great quarterback, but he is the best player in the league. Uh, unfortunately, that season ended a little early. He had a bad knee injury. Um, he missed out on the uh, missed out on the Super Bowl. Although you know he, he wears his ring, I'm sure with pride. He did a lot that year. He went out in Week 13 with an 11 and 2 record, so no shame there. Um, and he struggled after that. He missed uh, he missed the start of the season with injury, and then he broke one of his vertebrae. Tried to play through it, ended up not making it through the rest of the season. So uh, he had kind of a tough stretch. Um, you know, coming off of that great, that great performance he was putting up that year back in, uh, I think it was 2017. Now, here's the real thing that I saw when I looked a little deeper in his O line back then was among the top in the top in the league. He had time to hang on to the ball and find someone to pass it to. And I guess the difference is back then he had someone to pass it to. This past year, uh, his O-line was 19th in the league and Wentz was sacked 50 times. And remember, he didn't play 16 games. He got eventually out. He was pulled out and Jalen Hurts was put in 50 times. He was sacked 37 times the year before. Now, definitely a lot of those are his fault. He held onto the ball way too long. But all of a sudden now, he's got better receiving weapons um, he's got better, I think, better running back weapons coming out of the backfield, including a good receiving back in Naheem Hines. And he's got an offensive line that's projected to be number two. So if there's ever a time for him to kind of get his head together straight, working again with Frank Reich, who was with him back in 2017, this is it. He's going to have time to calm down and uh, to to show off the quarterback skill, I guess, that he that he showed us a handful of years ago. Or else it's, yeah, you're right. It's or else, yeah. 50 times. <laughs> like, well, it was like, I don't know if you've seen that movie from the 90s with James Spader. It's called Crash and the like, people that love to get into car accidents. Like, it was almost like he liked getting sacked last year. There was plays where you just hold the ball forever and not throw it away. You're like, what? Did yeah. you forget how to play? But it's like, yeah, Happy Gilmore. Right. it's like Happy Gilmore standing in the batting cage, taking the ball off his chest. Got to toughen up for next year. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's run through this, man. So this again, this is an early ranking list, and things are going to fluctuate as the season approaches and as coaches say that they're not going to start their rookie Fionn <laughs> Heisman winning quarterbacks. But uh, he is next on our list. Number 19, Justin Fields, a quarterback for the Chicago Bears, quarterback two as of right now. Uh, Kyle had him at number 17. I had him at 19. The experts have him at 23. Obviously, he didn't play last year. Um, this one is very dependent on playing time and when Nagy feels like he might get fired and, and forced to put him in by the sounds of the things. But, uh, yeah, again, that coach speak you mentioned earlier, I don't understand it. I mean, Dalton's been around long enough. Why can't you say Why? Fields has a chance and you motivate him to, you know, I just, it's, it's, you know, it's consistent <laughs> for Nagy and his advisor. So, uh, yeah, maybe he's trying to get outed, but, um, if Fields obviously doesn't start 16 or 17 games this year, he's not going to finish very high on the list but uh if he does get a chance um i think he's he's going to show flashes and and you know he did in college he can do it with his legs he can throw every throw on the field so i'm excited to see what he can do when he's unleashed 
If I wait on a quarterback and Andy Dalton starts the year and he's struggling, I'm putting in a pretty early waiver claim on Justin Fields just in case, right? You know, he's uh, he's got the legs to get it done. He's got Allen Robinson, who's a reliable and talented wide receiver. And, uh, you know, plus that one time Darnell Mooney got open against Jalen Ramsey, you know, didn't catch the pass, <laughs> but uh, he's got that going for him. So, yeah. There you go. Oh, boy. All right, this next guy near and dear, I really hope he does better than this. Danny Dimes, Daniel Jones. He's uh, my number 20. We've got him at number 20. Uh, you've actually, you're a little you're a little bit of a hater. You got him at 22, the double deuce. But uh, the experts, they're even more positive than me. They got him at number 19, and uh, we don't need to talk about 2020. That's over. That's history. Uh, yeah, he was a quarterback 28 last year. This is pretty straightforward, Jeff. He didn't have Saquon. And he really had a bad year. Now he's got Saquon. And he's got Kenny Galladay. And he's got, you know, a couple other wide receiver weapons. He better do something or he might be playing for the Argonauts in 2022. So, uh, you know, as a Jones owner, I really hope we see more Danny Dimes and less Danny trip over the 10-yard line on an 80-yard touchdown run. Well, and doesn't he have, like... 600 fumbles lost and 400 interceptions in three games or whatever. Like he's yeah, had an so obscene roughly, amount of turnovers. Roughly. And like, that's the biggest thing as far as uh, even bigger than Saquon coming back and all these playmakers. If you don't hold onto the ball, you're not staying in the league. So yeah. that's the biggest obstacle for, for Danny. I, I noticed you didn't want to mention that. So nope, we'll, I didn't. We'll move on. <laughs> uh, number 21, who's the guy I had actually had ahead of Daniel Jones is uh, our, our hometown quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, we have him at number 21. You have him 19. I had him at 21. Experts have him at 22. Last year, he finished number 12. Um, yeah, so you have him higher than everybody uh, as far as uh, myself and the experts. Um, I think, you know, he can put up a good year. I just, I don't think, I think with the run game that should be existent this year, it should force them to, or not allow them to pass as much. And, it, you know, his numbers will be affected by that. Hopefully it means he's more efficient, but um I just think they're going to try to protect him and keep him healthy for the stretch. So, yeah, number 21 is where I have him. Yeah, I agree with that. It's hard to – it feels hard to have him this low with the wide receiver weapons that he has. But, uh, you know, they obviously made a big move in the draft to improve the run game, um, at least running back-wise. And also, you know, the Steelers' defense that was so good for the start of the year and then just kind of fell apart due to injury – um, you know, they've lost a couple pieces, but people are getting healthy and it looks like it's going to be another uh, elite defensive season. And if that's the case, the, the truth is that the Steelers are just going to spend less time on offense. And when they are, they're going to spend more time in, in ball control mode. Um, so he's not going to be necessarily slinging it as much. So I think the upside is there just because of the weapons. And uh, we'll see how much, you know, coming off the coming off the arm injury and, and suffering the knee injury last year affected him. But, uh, yeah, like he's there to win. Um, he's not there just to participate. But I think his, uh, you know, his top five fantasy days are behind him. All right, number 22, Ryan Fitzpatrick, the man with the Washington football team, the uh, the on-again, off-again sweetheart from Miami last year, the journeyman. It's pretty cool when you go to Pro Football Reference and you look at uh, all the players' pages. They have a little square with the team color and the numbers they've worn of the different teams, and it's like Fitzpatrick's you need an extra wide monitor just to get all the different, uh, just to get all the different jerseys he's worn over the years. But, uh, yeah, I've got him right here at 22. You had him a little higher at number 20. The expert consensus was number 20 as well. Um, 
you want to talk about how to handle this? Ron Rivera said, even though they brought Fitzpatrick in, and we know he's going to be the starter, Ron Rivera says, no, no, there's a competition. Taylor Heineke and Kyle Allen and Ryan Fitzpatrick, they're all in competition with each other. No, they're not. No, they're not, Ron. Unless something really bad happens, we know that Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to uh, going to be out there week one, and we've seen him support uh, wide receiver ones in the past, and he's got two great weapons. He was he was fine last year through the through the first six weeks when he was a starter in Miami. He was a quarterback eight, and uh, now he's got Curtis Samuel and Terry McLaurin. I really I really like the upside here. It's not you know you're not gonna feel. As good as if you have, say, uh, you know, a great quarterback like Dak Prescott on your roster. But uh, you can rely on him. If you want to wait on a guy and you want to go for upside, I think Fitzpatrick's a, a, that guy, Fitzpatrick's a name that you could uh, throw onto your roster as maybe your second quarterback and feel pretty good. Yeah, I mean, uh, Samuel McLaurin, Logan Thomas is no joke. Antonio Gibson's going to take a big step as a sophomore. They got um, weapons all over. I love it. And this is coach speak done properly. It's competition. You motivate everybody on the field, not only in that position, but all throughout the the team. So, hey, Matt Nagy, take a note because this is how you do it. Take a couple Uh, notes. Number 23 on our list, Derek Carr, Las Vegas Raiders quarterback, uh, a guy you've had on your roster numerous times, I believe. You have him at number 24. I am right here at number 23. The experts have him at 24. Finished number, lucky number 13 last year. And, uh, you know, with Darren Waller there, I've heard big things uh, or exciting things from Ruggs at training camp this offseason, so they're expecting big things from him. Um, Josh Jacobs has to stay healthy and, uh, you know, balance out that uh, offense. And if Kenyon Drake can be the pass catching back that uh, the Raiders hope he can be, I think Derek Carr can move higher than this ranking. But um, he's a hard guy to trust right now. Yeah, he is for sure. And you know what? You hope Ruggs takes a big step forward. He was disappointing. Like he, I I believe he was the first wide receiver drafted last year, wasn't he? And so, you know, obviously that hurts a little bit when you look around at a you know, an all-time great wide receiver class, and he wasn't really part of the all-time great part. Um, but uh, they added uh, Smokey John Brown as a weapon. He's still got some speed when he's healthy. He was just fine for the Bills last year. But the problem the problem with Carr is the it's not a problem if you own Darren Waller. You have an elite tight end. You have, a, you know, number three, maybe number two, with the chance, I guess, depending what happens, of number one tight end. But uh, when you're when you're holding the quarterback that's associated with that guy, it's not always going to work out. Like Derek Carr is not Patrick Mahomes, and he doesn't have a Tyreek Hill, so his upside is limited when sixty percent of his passes are going, you know, fifteen yards to his tight end. Um, he's going to have a good completion rate. He's going to have an okay touchdown number. But uh, last year, you know, he had a few big games. He had a few absolute duds that killed you, and a lot of like meh. So I think if you I think if you're relying on him, that's about what you're gonna get. All right, so we're moving pretty quickly here, buddy. We're we're past the quarterback two range. Um, we're getting into the names that you might just want to keep an eye on. We don't know exactly what's gonna happen, but uh, they have the potential to offer you some value. At number twenty four, the very bottom of the QB two in the twelve team league, Sam Darnold, Slam and Sammy. He's out in New York. He's in with the Panthers. I've got him 23, and you've got him 25, right where the experts have him. 
And uh, Darnold is just like Wentz. He is in a make-it-or-break-it mode, but he's in a better situation. He's got DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. These are the best receivers he's had for sure. In fact, Robbie Anderson is a receiver he's already had a connection with. Um, and he's got Christian McCaffrey in the backfield. Uh, that's what that team runs through. That's what limits his upside. If you look at what Teddy Bridgewater did last year, he had a few big games, and that was even with McCaffrey only there a little bit of the time. Um, one thing I will say is I don't think that I don't think Darnold's going to take a huge jump forward just just being with a better team, but. If he starts to get a little bit hot, if he has a couple weeks in a row, I'm going to be pretty quick to try and grab him before people catch on. And just hang on, just in case he goes on one of those runs, because we've seen it in the past with the Jets. Um, He's not a guy I trust as my QB1, but I do have a sandwich bet with Geister that Sam Darnold is going to throw more passing touchdowns than Jalen Hurts. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and these are the guys you want to stash or or grab on waivers and and see if they do explode and figure it out. Sam Darnold's such a weird guy, man. I mean, drafted second overall. Remember when you was seeing ghosts in the pocket and like, <laughs> getting sacked by that nothing? Was the and best. then we and should move him up a read, spot just for that. <laughs> just for the ghosts, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I read a thing today that said uh, there's a different aura about Sam Darnold. And I'm like, this guy, everything about him is just different. He's like such an anomaly. So I hope he puts it together, especially, uh, you know, Whammer's a big Panthers fan. And, and uh, so I kind of root for them as well. So yeah, hopefully he does put it together. But. Yeah, we'll see what happens with his aura and those ghosts. And <laughs> Old Carolina. spooky Sam. Spooky Carolina, Sam Darnold. Carolina Creepers take him down. And, <laughs> uh, number 25, Tua. We mentioned him in the news. He didn't have a great uh, practice or OTAs there. But, uh, you know, he's a sophomore. He's coming off that hip injury from his final game in college. Uh, he's another year removed from that. So uh, he should be fully healthy coming into the year. We have him at uh, number 25 on our list. Kyle had him 26. I had him at 24. Experts have him 21. He finished number 31 last year, splitting time with Fitz. Um, obviously, they've added some weapons with uh, Waddle in the draft. They have Will Fuller now. Uh, the run game is Miles Gaskin and whoever else gets carries. It's going to be interesting to see what happens there, but uh, it all rides on Tua. They're, they're, they're building the team right in Miami, but the biggest question mark is the most important position on the team, so uh, it's a big year for him as well. Well, and we talked about it. He's there for now, but they've got capital to go out next year and get a new quarterback if they don't see what they like. Because they're they're building a team to win, and if he's you know it's uh, if you're not driving the bus, you better get off, right? All right, number twenty six. This is a real dice roll. I feel like because there's a chance this guy doesn't even step on the field this year. But uh, famous Jameis, Mister Crablegs himself, Jameis Winston. We've both got him around here. I've got him twenty five. You and the experts have him at twenty six. The last time that we saw him as a starter, like the guy threw for over 5,000 yards and 30 touchdowns. Uh, He finished as the QB four and he lost his job because he also threw 30 (laughs) interception that season. That just doesn't like every time I hear that, I feel like I'm, I accidentally changed channels in the middle of a sentence because it just doesn't make sense that he, you know, that he could throw for, he was the passing leader that year and 30 touchdowns, but also 30 interceptions. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting to see what happens. He's got Alvin Kamara, he's got Michael Thomas and he's, he's got a big arm and he's not afraid to use it. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he took the job and ran with it and put up big numbers. And I also wouldn't be surprised if the saints, you know, told us that he was going to start and he never played it down. Like I, I literally have no idea, but assuming that he's the man, uh, this is, I think a safe place to, to put him in order here. Well, he can fluctuate from 26 to five, really. I mean, Sean Payton's no joke, obviously. It's just, 
you know, we're going to go through the other positions later uh, on through this offseason, and he's affecting their draft stock as well, the uncertainty of quarterback position in New Orleans. So, uh, yeah, I can, it's, a, it's a well-done recap on him, and he could be anywhere from 26 to 5 as far as I'm concerned. But uh, let's rip through these last four guys here. We got Trey Lance, rookie quarterback in San Francisco. You have him at 29. I got him at 27. Experts have him at 30. This is a rookie. We don't know when he's going to see the field with Jimmy G there, but I, I obviously they're excited about him for they traded up for a reason. Uh, Cam Newton at 28. Uh, you know I've seen him as high as five and six on some people's lists. Uh, other experts Whammer. based on the yeah uh, <laughs> Ace Boogie list only, but uh, yeah Cam Newton's at 28. Uh, you have him at 27. I have him down at 31. The experts have him at 28. I just I think Mac Jones is going to take over there. I don't trust that. Zach Wilson's getting a lot of nice love uh, reports. Uh, are they throwing the book at him? Plus. And he's, uh, he's soaking it all up, and they're not taking it easy as far as practice go. They want him to be ready for week one. So this is, again, all these guys could be down here, or they could move up quite a bit depending on when they get on the field. But sounds like Zach Wilson is going to be starting as of week one for the Jets. Uh, so we've got him at number 29. And number 30, Jared Goff, the uh, new quarterback in Detroit. Uh, you have him 31. I got him at 28. Experts at 27. I just don't love Jared Goff. So, yeah, yeah Detroit and 30. There you go. There you go, Steve. He's got a three in it, too. It's just the same as Doc, right? Three and three <laughs> and a zero. All right, buddy. Well, you know what? That's all of our uh, that's all of our top 30 quarterbacks ranked. So like we said, if you if you missed out on last week, if you missed out on the big boys, uh, go back and listen to episode 46. You don't want to miss it. It was a gooder. But uh, before we go today, we've got to get to the two-minute drill. It's time for the Fantasy Falcon Football 2-Minute Drill. All right, Falcon Maniacs, you know where we stand on these quarterback two rankings, but uh, what are we missing? Who are the diamonds in the rough? Which quarterback that we ranked between 15 and 30 do you think could break into the top 10? Is it the AFC North darling, Baker Mayfield? Is it the King of New York-ish, Danny Dimes? Is it Super Bowl winning roster member Carson Wentz, or is there another name on this list that you want a piece of? Let us know, listeners. We want to hear from you. Send us an email at fantasyfalconfootball at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail using the link in the show description. You can also follow us once again on Twitter or Instagram at Falconmaniacs and reach out to us there. As always, Falconmaniacs, whether you're a longtime listener or new to the show, we need your help. Please make sure you're hitting that subscribe button, and if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, make sure to rate and review. Uh, it really helps us out a ton, actually. It's crazy how much it helps us, and uh, you know we're trying to grow this thing. So no matter where you listen, the best way you can show your support is to share and recommend to your friends. Obviously, fantasy draft season is coming up quickly, so any of your friends, family, coworkers who are starting to talk fantasy or any of your league mates, if they're into fantasy talk that goes beyond just repeating what you hear everywhere or learning about the game while having some fun at the same time, tell them to tune in to the Fantasy Falcon Football Podcast. And uh, before we go, you know, like always, we want to mention, if you haven't checked out the new hit show, The Barbarian and the Troll, what is wrong with you? What are you doing? You're blowing it, man. Tyler Walzak, one of our regular contributors, he's one of the original and loyal Falcon Maniacs, and most importantly, he is a fantasy Falcon football champion. And this guy has worked hard as part of a killer team to bestow upon us one of the best new TV shows out there. Like, what's not to like, Jeff? We both watch it. We both love it. Does it, Tell me, does it have killer stories? Check. Sassy banter? Check. Hmm, is it kid-friendly? Mm, check. Well, what about adult-friendly? Yeah, check. 
Oh, is there deadly musical numbers, dangerous quests, and ferocious battles? What do you think? Check, check, check. Check it out. Check out The Barbarian and the Troll. It's airing Friday nights at 7.30 Eastern on Nickelodeon. Or if you're up here in Canada, like I say, you can catch her on YTV. And uh, you're running out of time. There's only a few episodes left in season one. And you, uh, trust me, next year you are going to be want to be able to say to your friends, oh, yeah, I was watching that show before anybody knew about it. Go and check it out. Don't miss it this Friday night. Join us on a quest that won't disappoint. That's right. And thanks again, Falcomaniacs, for listening. We love it. And make sure you tune in next week where we unveil our Running Back Rankings, Volume 1. So same Falcon time, same Falcon channel. Have a great week. And remember to set your Falcon lineups. Dak Prescott, baby. Woo!